the Board Chat Podcast. Sponsored by the Berlin Tourism Board. This is the Port Chat Podcast. Well, a very warm welcome to episode 17 of the Port Chat Podcast, now with 15% more apathy. And don't worry, if you disagree with anything you hear, rest assured in the knowledge that we're almost certainly wrong. Thanks as always for your support. We do genuinely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to us ramble on about footballogy and beer. On today's episode, we'll assess the dismal refereeing and look at some questionable sleeping arrangements from our game at Blythe on Tuesday. We'll talk about our match against Telford, where, from the outside, not a single thing of interest seemed to happen, and look forward to our guaranteed wins against Darlington and Chorley. And it's a day of celebration here today at Podcast Towers. I'm personally celebrating, as it's now been 100 days since Everton won a competitive game of football. Using our podcast as a unit of measurement, we've published 16 episodes including this one since the Toffees last won a game. We've only published 17. But not only that, a hearty pat on the back to our very own Noel Warren. No, he hasn't won another award, but today is his birthday. So a very happy birthday to you, Noel. Have you had a good day? Um, No, because I was at work. Um, But no, I had a lovely weekend with lovely people. uh, And I know it was nice to see people at work, but thank you very much, James. It's, uh, yeah, 44. Good grief. 44. 44. 44. How about everyone else? Have you have you all had a good week? Where have we been? Come on, we've all we've we've always always been somewhere interesting. Where have we gone? Live, Telford, right, let's crack on. Both. Both. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, both. I met up with my friend on Friday evening, I haven't seen in a while, who is originally from Gosford, but he's actually an African chief. Um, yeah, he's a really interesting guy. Basically, went... this... <laughs> yeah, Great story that was not there. in the script. <laughs> no, basically, he went and lived over there, built a load of houses in the community, and so they made him the chief of development for a tribe. Um, you know, as you know, I think it's fair to say, as a six foot five bearded white man, he kind of stands out in the tribal procession. Chief Dave, Dave. Chief Dave, Dave. <laughs> Na- that's, that's Nana Dede, Nana Dede. Anyway, no, I'm out with uh, with Dave. He, he's he's a top bloke, known him for years, and uh, yeah, he, he's he was telling me about some of the latest projects they've got out going out in uh, in Ghana. So he does an awful lot of work with the uh, a lot of work through the Rotarians as well. But what an interesting fella. So funny as well. No, it, it was uh, so yeah, random. Good. No, it was good to see him. Nick, you've been to the northeast for for different reasons. You've, you you check out a um, an R and B themed cocktail bar. Uh, well, yes. So I went to our first um, FSA staff meeting in person for. Oh God, well, it's been it's been a couple of years for me because obviously having kids and things and COVID. Um, so we met up with our um, partners in the the European branch um, and we're planning the uh, the big convention that we're having in June. Uh, it's going to be the uh, FSE annual conference and our annual conference and I mean I can't give away too much but I mean if you're interested in football it's going to be a hell of a weekend. Um, it's going to be in the northwest of England. Um, when I have more information, I'll tell you. There's some really, really interesting speakers lined up to attend. Brilliant workshops. So hopefully I'll be able to get to talk about that um, over the next few episodes. But yeah, I got also the hotel was attached to a an R&B themed cocktail bar slash nightclub. You know, as they all are up in the northeast. That's just how they roll, isn't it? <laughs> all the best ones are. All the, be- all the best hotel bars are yeah. R&B themed. <laughs> 
Dan and Mike, so we know you went to uh, we know you went to Blythe and you went to Telford. Have you been anywhere else exciting? Has Mike added sixteen new entries to his footballology <laughs> this week? I've only added three. Two oh, just the three. Team. I'll get off just the, the three. I know, I know. I've, I've let myself down. I've let myself down. But one of them was ground number two hundred and fifty, which I oh, wow. big milestone. Ooh, I could retire from professional ground hopping or whatever it is now. Uh, but yeah, it was a. Went to go and watch the uh, Bournemouth under-21s, which people care about even less than the, the Bournemouth first team. You'll be happy to know. Is that uh, possible? They lost. Um, they were pretty terrible. But it was a day in London. had a nice time and made me forget about the troubles of Blythe a few days earlier. But I'm sure we, we'll get onto that later on. Uh, I went to watch Everton under-21s on Friday and I got there and I was like, I don't really know why I'm here. Because you know, like, there wasn't a happy hour as well, but you know, it, it feels like I've been in, I didn't mean to hate Gavin so long for a game, so I went and it was bitterly cold, even though a Yorkshire man that I was with said it was warm, Jermaine. But everyone else was like standing there, like shivering and jumping up and down. Jermaine, the Yorkshire man, was just sort of stood there going, It's really nice here today. I'm thinking, Well, it's it's it's, it's about minus four. It wasn't that cold, but it, it felt like that. But... Just everything's nice when you live in Yorkshire. Just when you live in Yorkshire, everything's lovely. Everything's lovely. Sorry, Yorkshire. No, 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 I'm not sorry. Um, but yeah, that, that was it for me. I, I had like loads of games planned, but some of them got called off, and some of them got called off for dubious reasons, which I'm sure Noel will get onto a bit later on as well mm. uh, with the women's game. But and how about yourself, Mister Hayes? Have you been anywhere? You've checked Wigan out this week. No, uh, there's been no games of interest for me this week, so I've had a weekend off. Oh, I'll say tell a lie. I went to watch, obviously, watch, watch my, my lad player on Sunday, but other oh, than that, go. no, nothing. Oh, there you go. All right, well, let's jump straight into our two games this week, starting with Blythe away on Tuesday. Uh, two team changes, Charlie Monroe in for Heath and Niall Watson in for Toby Carberry. We sent our Rover reporters, Dan and Mike, to the game. Let's start with Dan. What did you make of it? Uh, well, first of all, Blythe is a place which I love to go. I, it's it's a fantastic venue. It's a you know it's, it, it, you know you got the chippy down the road, you got the Blythe Screen Army, who are always fantastic with us all, uh, and we're just just legends all, all evening. It was just so nice and genuine. Made us feel so welcome in their bar, and just so like we were you know even though we were away fans sat, sitting in their bar, we felt just so normal, uh, which was nice. And um, Blythe, if you've never been to Blythe Spartans, it's a fantastic. Uh, ground to go to. It's nice and cheap as well. The game, I thought we played very well. Uh, it was a great, a great following as well um, from the people who travelled up from Southport. Um, I can't remember how many there was. There's probably about fifteen. There was I want to say at the top of my head. Sort yeah. about around that. Great following. I thought we played really, really well. Um, but we unfortunately weren't. Just got a bit unlucky from a few sort of dubious uh, refereeing decisions, but. Overall, a good team performance, but just unlucky not to, you know. And I think maybe a bit needs to be a bit more clinical in front of goal. Um, but they played, you know, Hamami was absolutely excellent in bringing the ball forward and just sort of bringing the team forward. I thought he he had a really really good game, and that's why I was so surprised to see him drop before the Telford game, um, because he was absolutely superb. Um, that game. Um, I think the goal we conceded was very. A bit of sort of moment we we switched off just after we'd had that first goal disallowed, um, which on the replay, well, I don't know if it was offside or on, but pretty much agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think it was a 
it was a fantastic day as per bar the football result, which is a, a common theme, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, great, great journey up there. Really enjoyed it. Um, a few decent pubs in Newcastle, all good fun there. Would like to apologise, though, on behalf of a few of the people I did go to Blythe with uh, to the Uber driving community of Newcastle for some of the people that I travelled with. But I did give you a nice tip at the end, so hopefully uh, we repaid the favour there. Um, as for the food and drink, it's Blythe, it's fantastic, it's spot on. Um, friendly, friendly club, as you said, Dan, Blythe's Green Army, incredible more than welcome hopefully we give you a similar welcome so yeah as for the performance so I mean I think if we replay that game 99 more times we win it 98 times it's genuinely the most undeserved result I think we've had all season in all honesty it's the with with no disrespect to Blythe we were better than them we passed the ball quicker than them we moved forward better than them we got into space better than them we were stronger defensively than them one lapse of concentration. Um, I think it's Anson has to go over to cover Doyle's man, leaves a man in the centre. They square over. It's one of their better play, uh, pieces of play in the game. They score, they go 1-0 up. When we go 1-0 up, it's it was such a difficult game to try and get back into. And in all honesty, we really did. We pushed and pushed. Because the first goal, that's a joke of a decision. It, it really just it's as simple as that it's not a it's not a close decision to make you just have to get decisions like that right um the second one is is just even worse it's laughable uh, it's josh miles he comes to the back post from the edge of the area how, how how the heck he was offside i've no idea but i do take people's points of saying we weren't clinical enough either we have um we have jack bainbridge missing an absolute sitter a couple of other big, big chances. Um, we should have also had a couple of penalties. Jordan Archer's cleared out in the box by the goalkeeper for one. Uh, the other, Chris Dawes brought down when he's turning inside the area as well. But I just thought the referees and officials had an absolute disaster class on Tuesday. It really was embarrassing. And I hate to just be the person who's going to blame the referees. But David McNamara... Just the the constant smirking towards the away fans as well. I thought with just a complete lack of respect, a complete complete lack of respect. Um, and you know if they if they want respect for their officiating, they have to give fans respect as well. And officiating a game like that, you 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 just you just lose all sort of credit and respect for the game as because it was it was nothing nothing short of an absolute an absolute joke really. And it, it's such a shame because it ruined a. Um, it, it ruined a really good game of football, unfortunately. But you know, we've got we've got to uh, unfortunately take that one on the chin. Bit of a bit of a Buxton, really, isn't it? If if that first goal goes in, Fart just scores, we win that game. Win that game three, four, five nil for me. And it, it's just one of them unfortunate things. Um, I think that's the only thing we can put it down to because the the performance was there, the effort was there. Uh, one thing, all the players came over, shook everyone's hand as he went off. I know it's a small thing for them because I think they it was a delayed kickoff. They wanted to get round to the chippy. It is much appreciated. Uh, it is much appreciated they do that. Uh, but yeah, just just one of them. I think we've got to take that one on the chin and move on. Unfortunately, I mean, particularly with the with the the, the two goals that that we were denied. I think they were they probably are the main talking point. Has anyone else had a chance to to check them out? Share Mike's view, dissent from Mike's view. 
they, they, they look pretty off. I mean, I mean, you can see me going mad after the first goal has been disallowed on the video because I wear a bright yellow coat. Um, but, <laughs> but I don't, I, you know, don't single myself out. But it, 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 from where I was stood, and I, I'd had quite a few sort of, you know, not pints, but yeah, I had quite a few pints actually. That day. No, by the time the game sure started, not. no, I hadn't been on the train since ten on on the beer. Um, but even I could see from my sort of state that that was that was well on. So because he, he'd ran from behind the player, so I can't like I, I don't know. I I really don't know. I just think it's one of them on paper. We probably should have you know you go into that game and we should be beating these. We should be beating these. And even looking back, you think we probably should have been them. But we just didn't on the on the night. Unfortunately, we just we we did get you know done by two decisions. But at the end of the day, if we if we go one nil up and that goal's allowed, I think we win that three 0 Um, but that didn't happen. But you'd think we'd maybe create a few more chances. Maybe there was a you know a few more shots on goal would have been gone down a bit nicer. We played some d- decent football. I just think that you know the final the final ball uh, just wasn't quite there. I think you make it make a good point there, Dan. And, and the thing I would say, I, I didn't go to this one, but I have seen the the highlights, and for me, it's two absolutely scandalous decisions, but particularly the second one. Um, you made some interesting comments about uh, Mr. Matt Namara. Um, I, I I've seen him referee us a number of times. I can generally never. It, it, it you know, it's always worrying when you remember a referee's name. Mm. Unless he's lovely in Italian, but that's another matter. But don't get too excited, Dan. Although no, he is no. refereeing in our division again, but um, he's never had a good game. Um, and I don't think I would agree with you. I don't think the manner of how he conducts himself endears him to the players or, or indeed to the fans. But on this case, okay, you could say maybe the penalty. We've seen that one. Okay, uh, I, I can. I thought it was a penalty, but I can yeah, see why he's not there, doing it. Yeah. A, correct. There is an amount of subjectivity. I think on this occasion, it's the assistance because neither of those are offside, and the second one is just well, it's just incompetent. You know, well, that, well, he, he's run from gone. Sorry, Dan. Well, I, I actually thought first half was refereed quite well by by the referee, mm-hmm. um, but the actual. In second half, he was absolutely appalling. But the the linesman, um, both the, the more experienced linesman who disallowed the first goal, on the uh, you know on the touchline sort of side by the you know by the benches, um, and the other one were just totally totally incompetent and couldn't do their job. The problem that we have is we're not creating that many clear cut chances. We'll come to Saturday in a bit. We didn't create that many then, um, but we're not scoring many goals, so we certainly can't afford. To have two goals, two seemingly perfectly legitimate goals disallowed because we're not creating eight, nine, ten chances. It's the same conversation every week, isn't it? And on two factors officials and we're not that potent up front at the minute. One of them we can do something about, one of them we can't. So, on to a one over draw with Telford. Uh, lineup saw Keenan Cancel back from suspension. In for Charlie Oliver, Toby back in the starting lineup for Jack Doyle, uh, Walton in for for Hamami, and just leading on from what we've just talked about, um, I think a bit surprising was uh, Heath starting at the expense of Archer. Was that 
is was that an admission that maybe we're we're underperforming up front? Was there or was there something else going on there? I, I you know, because as, as mentioned, it's it's the same conversation every week. We've we've not been taking our chances for quite a while now. And was that Liam's response to that? Well, well, I listened to Liam's post-match after Blythe, and and he said that one of the things he made quite clear was it's time for the big players to start, you know, taking their chances. And I'm trying to work out if he was meaning Archer. That's why he took him on the side. But as you just mentioned there, he took a Marmy out as well, which I didn't quite understand because he was man of the match for both club and our man of the match as well um, from that game. So it was a bit of an interesting one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it, I think Conneith might be a bit too raw still, unfortunately. I do think that Liam has a little bit of an eye towards this run of games. We do have quite a number of games coming up in a short period of time. That being said, for me, it is very obvious that we are our most effective going forward when we play with two players up top. And in fact, I'd go as far to say that when we play a lone striker, we find it very difficult to create chances to get in behind and really hurt the opposition. Now, some people might say, oh, it's an away game. Yeah, but it's an away game at bottom of the league. Telford, there was no lack of effort, no lack of energy from then. They were up for the fight, as you would expect a Kevin Wilkin team to be. But it was also blatantly obvious to me why they are in the spot that they are in. There is a lack of quality. They gave Jamie Allen, formerly of this parish, man of the match. I think they possibly gave him man of the match for climbing in and out of Michael Carberry's back pocket. Because for me, I don't think he really impacted the game at all. What surprised me really with this is that we've changed our lineup because of who we're playing, and we were playing bottom of the league. So he's he's taken Archer out the out the team because Flowers is the centre half, and Flowers wins everything in the air. And he's basically acknowledging that Archer is not the player that is going to win the win the ball in the air for you and not and have knock ons for people. But it surprised me that he's brought Heath in because I don't think he's going to do that either. He's I don't think he's shown that so far. Um, but we've basically changed the way that we play to accommodate a team that are at the bottom of the league. I would agree with that, Dan. And the other thing which was confusing, I, when I heard that comment from Liam at the end, I can kind of see his logic, but why then were we throwing so many crosses into the box? Why were we not trying to get down the side get the ball back, play the ball on the ground and perhaps manipulate it that way. So I think there was a bit of mixed thinking with that situation. I don't really blame Connor Heath because he isn't a natural striker and he is, when he's playing that role, certainly on his own, it's a huge ass. But for me, particularly in the first half, we lacked a focal point for our attacks. And as a result, in my opinion, handed a bit of the advantage to the opposition. Yeah, um, uh, to be honest, I'll, I'll bring up on that first point about Heath um, possibly not being a striker, being more of a winger, because he did seem to drift out wide a lot of the time. I went to, in the first half, um, uh, at nil-nil, I went to walk up to speak to someone at, um, at the other end of the ground towards where we were shooting. And I saw us put a cross into the box where no one was there. Heath was in the corner. Woods was too short, and I think Watson was too far. It might be in the other way around. We just seem to aimlessly, aimlessly uh, boot it in towards the penalty area. Well, it's going to bread and butter all day for for players like that, and just easily clearance. Whether they're bottom of the league, top of the league in the Premier League, 
if you get a football kicked to you when you're unmarked as a centre-half, you're going to clear it out every single day of the week. And it was just too simple. As for Jamie Allen getting man the match, I think maybe I'm going to claim that that was just for appreciation of our you couldn't pull on the island chant. Uh, we'll we'll take credit for that one. Because <laughs> uh, they probably didn't notice anyone else was playing. Um, although maybe they did because they had names on the back of the shirts though as well. Um so did Blythe. Oh, oh, you didn't go there. Oh, no, 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 no. So did Blythe, yeah. Oh, no. How about you, Mr. Bond? What did you make of it? As I said, I thought the first half, I thought we were a bit sort of bit slow, a bit obviously, um, a bit sort of, I don't know, looked tired even. Um, but second half, I think we played a lot better. Definitely, obviously, got the goal. And then uh, Hamami and Archer came on. We looked a lot better. Um, going forward, a lot more sort of, you know, driven. Um, I, I don't think we deserve to lose, but I don't think we deserve to win after the first half performance. Agreed. Agreed. I don't think we were good enough in the first half. Their goal came from a cross, really. He tried to cross it, and it just happened to hit the post and go in, really. Woods' goal was fantastic, actually, as well. Um, but there was other times where, you know, there was shots that were played in on the highlights, where you know we, we could have put them away, um, we could have been a bit more clinical, and we weren't, and that's why we didn't win that game, and that's why we didn't deserve to win that game. Unfortunately, I, th- I think it's fair to say, if we're being brutally honest, that Telford probably had the clearest cut chances. Yeah, uh, I mean T- Tony Mack has pulled off a couple of really good saves, uh, so he got the club man of the match. I, I can't disagree with that. To greatest when I, I, I had a different choice, but I thought Tony was really good. He had absolutely no chance with the freak goal. Um, he wasn't particularly off his line or out of position. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. In a way, um, you think from what you, from what you gents were saying, and obviously we discussed it afterwards that the performance on Tuesday night up at Blythe was far better, but with less reward. Um, I don't actually think the point does either team particularly any good um, because well, certainly they, they draws are, are not really what, Telford need then he wins and they win he wins quickly and unless for me there was no end of effort in that but unless they bring in a bit more firepower I can't see them getting out of trouble unfortunately for ourselves one point out of the, the two games out of the bottom two um it's less than you'd hope for without a shadow of doubt if you are really hoping to be upwardly mobile in this division I was I was literally just going to going to ask the question as, as someone who hasn't seen either game wasn't at the game but justified to feel bit frustrated we've only taken one point out of those two games you have to feel like that surely yeah Yeah. i mean i I, um at the start of this five run of five away games i sort of thought if we've got a serious wanting to push towards these playoffs and we've got serious ambition to get into the playoffs i'd pencil 10 points in for these i thought six i thought we need six points out of these and i thought if we're sat on six points now that's darlington away Chorley away, Hereford away, four points. Because I think we'll, spoilers for the predictions, I think we'll lose tomorrow. But this puts real, real pressure on these three games now. A, a, a trip to Edgar Street, even when Hereford aren't playing very well, is extremely tough. The other two, a way to play off rivals, it's going to take something big to, it's going to take a big, big performance. It is, especially when you look at the fact that in the last 10 games that we've played, we've only scored more than one goal in a game on one occasion. And that was the only occasion that we've actually won, which was the Curzon game. So we've had one win in 10 now, which 10 games for 
a measure of a team's progress is, I think it's pretty reasonable. It's a, it's nearly a quarter of a season and we're not firing on all cylinders. We're not looking dangerous. We're not looking threatening. But the only thing I'd say is, I mean, I was struck by something Dan said earlier on, which was we've got a habit of being quite unpredictable. So there's nothing stopping us turning around and no, putting in a result, not. you know, getting a result somewhere. But it just doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, we're on a particularly good run at the moment. I think, mm. I, I think one thing I'd... I'd say in response to that when you say we don't look particularly threatening because and again say i only see 25 percent of the games now if i'm if i'm lucky the games that i've seen we haven't looked you know at times we have looked threatening like like the um the, the big one for me was the files game that was a game that we could have gone on and won there's a few that i've seen where threatening's a a, a, a word you could chew over a couple of times but I, i've I don't think we're playing like a team that's, from what I've seen, like a team that's currently in 12th. I think, we're, I think from what I've seen, we've played a bit better than our league position would suggest. It comes back to the same conversation that we've had for the past six weeks, which is we need, you know, support and, and manpower up front. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you to an extent, Jay. One thing which I feel... And I think I mentioned, I'm pretty certain I mentioned this on Saturday when we were just discussing the game afterwards. I think we are a better side against the better teams in the division because we have better foot, we have good footballers, we have some excellent footballers. And I think that kind of game possibly suits us a little bit more. But, and you've just said it again, and we've been saying it, we are not, number one, creating enough clear cut chances and then taking enough clear-cut chances. And and that is, you know, potentially going to be the difference between us just finishing outside the playoffs and finishing inside them. And that that unfortunately, that, that's where the more affluent teams of the division have an advantage because those are the players who cost the money. I, I personally think, uh, we, med- we mentioned about Flowers, I do not think there is a team in the division who has a better collection of centre halves than Southport Football Club. I think I think the the, the centre halves that we have are outstanding. I think our fullbacks are absolutely superb. I think we've got some great midfielders. Um, I just think we're missing perhaps that one forward um, who would just knit it all together. I think this is a good squad. I think it's a talented group of players. Um, at the moment, there's just that one piece of the jigsaw missing from us really, really kicking on. Um, there's there's no shortage of effort. You know, the attitude is there. You can see that. Um, but yeah, I just think sometimes against the lower lights of the division, perhaps those kind of games are, don't really suit the um, suit our game plan. I don't I don't know what anyone else thinks on that one. The measure for me is how many of the last sort of five or six games have we spent talking about a referee rather than our own goals. You, know, if you simply look at it that we, we're coming away from games and we're we're ruining decisions because we've not been clinical enough to finish a game off by ourselves. The fact that we're looking at it going, oh, we could have had a goal there, we should have had a penalty there, we wouldn't be having those conversations if we were putting away the chances that we were getting. We just simply wouldn't. Sorry, yeah, that's an extremely good point. We should have won that game. Uh, I'll go back to Tuesday. Cause, uh, yeah, I, I, to be fair, I, I know I've said some things about the referee on from Tuesday's game. The referee was quite good on Saturday. I don't think we can really. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know what? Credit where it's due. I'll, I'll give credit uh, and respect to referees when they make good decisions. And that referee had a good game. 
obviously the odd decision went against us. The odd decision went for us. I think that's uh, that's only right and fair to say. But yeah, the Blythe is a perfect example um, where if we if we win that game two one, there's there's no questions asked. We we don't really have too much of a moan. I think the perfect example, um, Dan, I'll go back to you on this one was the three 0 against Farsley earlier in the yeah, season. Yeah, of course, we didn't. The referee was so poor, but. Yeah. We didn't care about it because we won it. We were just bagging them in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the and that's the thing. I think the, the best runs we've had, um, you know, look at the run we went on last season because we had a prolific forward. We played well for a few weeks this season because we had a you know, we had we had lots of options going forward. And there's one man, obviously, we wish he'd come back for a third third saga, but it's probably not gonna happen. But someone like that would be perfect for our football club. Go on, Nick. Don't let a lot of miserable blokes have all the say. Well, where do you make of where we are at the minute? It's difficult because we've, we've you know, we've had um, we've had a lot of seasons where we've either been um, fighting relegation, pushing for promotion, been desperate for the kind of that sort of uh, season where we settle a little bit. COVID came along and upended all of those kind of like those plans to to have a bit of time to settle. Um, but I do think we've we've reached that point now where we need some sort of um trajectory we need you know and, and it needs to be shown kind of both on and off the pitch where where we are where we are going as a club um and, and it, you know, it's difficult i wasn't i say i wasn't at the, the two games but you would expect to be you know taking points from from teams that are languishing at the bottom of the table especially though like, you know telford have had a real tough run at the moment that they're there where we should be picking those points up and put and pushing for that promotion but uh, but we have had some terrible runs in the past. You know, we've had some real dire runs where we've gone, where's the wind going to come from? When is this going to end? This doesn't feel like that watching the team. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it's that that massive drought where we're never we're never going to we're never going to get a, a win. Because like you said, that performance against Files. You know, it was, it was a great performance and should have been a winning performance. Um, and I and I think as Dan has, has raised, you know, we are, we are we do tend to play better against uh, teams that maybe push us to play a better style of football or a more competitive game. Um, so, so I'm not I'm not overly I'm not overly concerned, but I would like to. I just I want to feel like I want to feel excited. I want to feel driven towards, you know, this is a promotion push. You know, we're going for it. And I'm, I feel like I'm not getting that spark at the moment. Um, and we're at the business end of the season now. I want to be getting that spark. I want to be excited. I want to be like, yes, this is happening for us. Um, you know, we can we can take it. We can go. We can go to Edgar. Uh, we can go to Hereford and be like, you know, and be competitive because there shouldn't be anyone. We shouldn't be anyone that's that we're scared of. We should be the team people are scared of, and we've shown that we, we went on a great run. Um, so I'm not overly pessimistic, but I'm also struggling to really feel the enthusiasm, and I don't know where that needs to come from. If that needs, because the players put in a hell of a shift, and I can't doubt the love that the players have for the club, and and the, you know they're putting in, a, you know good performances, individual and team performances, and they're trying hard, you know, they leave everything on the pitch and you see their interaction with the young players and they clearly love being here. So I, I'm I, I'm looking elsewhere really for that for that spark of enthusiasm. 
which I feel is just missing a little bit to pull people along. And then, you know, the old cliche, the the, uh, the fans of the of the twelfth man. You know, we can we can we can carry the uh, carry the momentum along with us. So that's how I feel. I mean, you you are you all depressing old men, basically. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, it's still got loads to cover. And um, one of the things I did want to talk about was a couple of suggestions we saw on the forum this week um, about financing the squad. And there were two ideas in particular, which were crowdfunding a part of the player budget and possibly raising ticket prices. Um, and this was a really interesting debate that's played out on the Port Chat forum over the past week. We'd love to know what you think. So if you're not already a member, do log on supportchat.net slash forum, get an account, only takes a couple of minutes, do get involved in the discussion because your view really does matter. Um, I'm going to kick us off just by saying that, you know, any suggestion on how to improve the club should at least be welcomed. Not necessarily implemented, but it's, it's, it's great that we've got fans who care enough to provide suggestions and feedback, and that should be seen as, as really valuable. To, to start with ticket prices, um, so the, the, the idea was to potentially raise ticket prices by a, a, a certain amount in order to purchase a player or to, to support the playing budget. It's worth noting that gate prices have been frozen for a, a significant amount of time. We did see a rise, a rise in season ticket prices earlier this season. Uh, but I don't think it would be totally surprising to see a, a rise in gate prices in the near future. Prices of, well, everything are going up. Player, player wages are rising, cost of utilities are rising, nothing is getting cheaper. And I think it's something that the club would need to put a lot of thought into. But I would have some concerns if we raised the gate price specifically under the guise of funding players. I personally think on one hand that 13.50 to 15 quid is quite a lot of money to go and watch a sixth tier football team. That said, when you look at you know what the club has to pay for and play wages and agents, which at this level is ridiculous and, and this and that, I can understand where that price comes from. I, I do think it's quite high, but I can understand where it's come from. But it is relevant um, to, to mention that in the last published accounts, the club posted an £80,000 profit. So I think my issue with attaching a ticket price rise to budget building would be where do you draw the line? Uh, say the suggestion was, was a £1 rise to fund a player. All right, so fair enough. If we want two players, do we raise it two quid? You know, while we have 800 incredible diehards who will support the club through thick and thin and probably wouldn't mind paying an extra quid myself included you know it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to me i'd still go watch the team but we have seventy-two thousand eight hundred people in this town that we're not attracting week in week out and they possibly do think that 13 50 to 15 quid is quite a lot of money to to, to watch sixth tier football so I think putting the price up at all won't help and i certainly wouldn't want us to do it for the wrong reasons so you give that example, and I saw what was going on. The people were saying, "Oh, raise it, let's say by two pounds um, uh, a ticket." So you know, what do we say? Our average, our average attendance is about eight hundred fans. You know, that come to every home game. You raise the ticket prices by by two pounds. That over the course of your your league games basically yields just under thirty seven thousand pounds. Actually, what's what 
for the sake for the sake of the damage that you're potentially going to cause in 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 raising those prices and bring and, and putting off new people from coming that's a very small amount of money really what does that what is that going to pay for is that going to pay for what what level of, of player is that going to pay for you're not going to bring in a, a a top tier player for that that's going to make the difference so so it's it's that assessing the 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 reputational potential damage that you do versus the the reward it will yield so really you know if if you're looking at trying to use gating ticket money to to raise enough to to actually fund a, a, a decent playing budget you're going to have to raise it by a, a lot more than that um just just for example and we're going to talk about crowdfunding but if you want to if you want to get get an idea you know darlington fc who are fan owned who do a, a beat the uh, build the budget um concept and they have done for five years now 10 years fan owned um over those five years they've raised half a million pounds through that build a budget this this last year they collectively raised just shy of 139,000 pounds for it so and that's what that's what they've done so so if you think you 37 grand isn't really going to particularly make much of a dent in the ocean where's it going to go would you see you know they'd have to i'd for one if i'm if that's happening would love to would need to see that that money's being ring fenced and see what it's being spent on or else where is it going to go just down a black hole of nothingness well, look, the the, the the crowdfunding stuff, uh, again, the 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 idea posted on the forum was um, that fans could set up a crowdfunder and it gets given to the club ring fence, supposedly, for the, for the playing budget. Um, a couple of examples given, as you mentioned, Darlington and Chester have been doing, you know, something similar. I, and I think they've they've had, you know, a lot of success. But the key difference, as was already mentioned on the forum, but it's worth repeating, they are supporter-owned clubs and do not have an individual or a corporate backer. The, the, the revenue generated by that football club, by those football clubs, only comes from themselves. And we, and we spoke about club finances and, and, and stuff like this before. You know, the, I, I would be very wary of supporters agreeing to take on the responsibility of even partially funding our own budget. I think that's a real risky slope to go down. And I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm saying if we were ever going to do it, it would have to be for the right reasons at the right time with the right setup when we go when you know the the objectives are clear and the direction and the journey are clear and we spoke about it on this podcast a couple of times it just not having a pop in my own opinion currently they're not so i think that they all of the stars would have to align before anyone ever considered doing that so currently it isn't something i could support and i think it's something that that we should be very very wary of just just in totality you know to talk about those those clubs that do do that you know they are they're not just so we talk about fan ownership they're, they're not just fan owned they are they are genuine community clubs they are uh, community benefit societies run not pro- pro- not for profit we, meaning that any of the profit that they make gets reinvested back into their communities they have very clear um, structures and business plans to show 
where the money is going to chester for example um have like a they offer benefits to their members that do contribute as well to their build the budget so you know if you if you donate x amount then one of the tiers if if you donate 10 pounds a month to their build the budget they'll you get entry to a prize draw for a fan experience you know pin badge but they also will donate pledge to donate a child season ticket to their community trust for every person who does that you know there were there was there's like all so many other things that go hand in hand it's not just fans as cash cows they are they are partners in their community projects and the football club benefits because they're able to raise money for for a budget um but there's just so much more to it i'm I'm quite passionate about this to be honest it's like not to say that we don't love and support our football club but what the examples that were given are entirely different structures there's one point that i wanted to raise and i i want to get right back to why we're discussing this in the first place because i'm not aware unless someone can point it out to me of liam who's the person who manages the player budget at any point ever saying that player budget is actually being used and that we need more money to to pay for players. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but normally when you loan players out, the clubs that you loan them to pay that player's wages for the time that they're actually on loan with another club. And we've had two players that have been out on loan or three players that have been out on loan this season for periods of time where we've had their wages off our budget. Now, unless someone's telling me now that our player budget has been slashed, to the point where we no longer have that money, we've got money in the player budget to bring someone in. Dylan Vassallo was out on loan where his wages are presumably being paid by another club. Might not be fully, but at least partially, I'm sure. Connor Woods was, Cam Mason was, and Cam Mason's now been sold. So not only was his, his wage temporarily off the books, it's now permanently off the books, which means we've got room in our player budget already to bring a player in if the manager wants to bring a player in. Now, granted, none of us know how much room that is, but it's at least some. And considering that Cam was player of the season last last year, I would have thought it's a reasonable wage to pay for a player. But I'm not aware that the manager has actually said at any point that he needs more room in his player budget to bring anybody in. Now, if we were going to go down the route of some kind of... um, crowdfunding or some kind of uh, fan-led initiative where the the money is being raised, I I wouldn't necessarily have an objection to it if it was for a perhaps a capital project or it was for something other than first-team first-team player budgets. Now, you know, there are other examples where this sort of thing happens. Wigan Athletic went through administration a couple of years ago and as part of that administration, they set up what they called the Fans Fund. And as, as part of that Fans Fund, supporters can subscribe a you know monthly payment every month and they can choose where they want their money to go it can either go towards logistical first team stuff or it can go towards the, the academy or it can go towards sports science and like that, that money like is that. then ring fenced I like and that it's, a lot. yeah, yeah it's it's ring fenced and it's actually put separately in the accounts and visible to supporters to say i'm going to give you 20 pounds a month and i know that that 20 pounds is going to go to the academy it's not going anywhere near the first team it's going to the academy because i want to help the club develop players for the future i haven't got a problem with that as an as an example no, providing no, 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 that it's no. transparent and that you can see where it's going but to to blindly say that you're going to put money into a player budget well we don't even know what it is in the first place then uh, to me it just doesn't make sense i mean we've already recently had crowdfunded a capital project um you know in in the form of the fan zone and, and that was through the supporters trust again community benefit society in exchange for 
shares in the club. Um, now I'm not. I've seen the latest um, confirmation statement. I don't think those shares have have actually been transferred to the trust yet. But I believe that was the that was the agreement that they were doing it in exchange. So it, so it wasn't a, a just a blind funneling of cash in one direction. Um, two and I think- two others as well: the floodlight ram and the defib as well. Yes. So so there's been plenty of examples where where fans have. Um, raise significant funds for vital equipment um, and important projects, which I'm completely for, but there just needs to be some sort of transparency and structure to it all. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and, and criticise the club at any stage for this because the club haven't asked for anything. They, the club have not said, we want you to raise money, we want you to help with the player budget, and this is supporter-led initiatives. Now, the reason for that is obviously there's some discontent amongst supporters in terms of the quality that they're seeing. They're obviously wanting something more than they're getting. But if we are wanting to look at helping the club to to creatively raise money, then perhaps this is something we should look at for other things. And again, I would point people towards things like the Fans Fund at Wigan, where you can see that you put money into a particular project and you get something back in return, even if it's uh, further discounts on season tickets, if you're a Fans Fund contributor or, or a special limited edition shirt or something you get back for your money in return for helping the club in a particular way. Um, I, I think there's an awful lot of really good points here. I mean, I, I was reading through the um, the conversation on Port Chat and um, first of all, it's very obvious and it's very positive, I think, that we've got a lot of people who actually want to help the club there's obviously a lot of people who want to back the club who want to do something positive. I would agree. I think that such um such a vessel's crowdfunding in this model um is fraught with issues. Um if you if you you know if you buy if you if you're funding to buy a player, where do where do the wages come from? Where do all the other costs, where do the bonuses come from? Where does the goal bonus come from? Where does the assist bonus? It's just for me. It's just far too involved uh, a package. I I agree with Dan. I I think there should be opportunities that if uh, supporters want to financially support their football club, then there should be opportunity to do that. But that should be in the form of specific projects, specific targets, specific aims, and not an increase of the playing budget. Because um, then also, um, if that money is not further forthcoming it can cause issues in the future and have a big knock-on effect yeah you're right it's a slippery slope once you have fans crowdfunding x amount of money to buy x player then it, it becomes it's not a sustainable model um you know you've you suddenly you've got a what happens with the next season where's where's the wages then and where's the next year when you the next big player so it just it becomes very reliant on that core of fans dipping into their pockets and, and funding something that, you know, say Dan's right that I don't think I haven't seen anyone at the at the club. I haven't heard Liam saying that he's short money. In fact, whenever Liam talks about, about his squad, when people question kind of his, you know, he always works with a very small squad. He's always quite the first to say that's not any kind of financial restriction that's put on me. That's just how I, how I like to operate. No, some really good points all across the board. If only we had some sort of democratically elected supporters body, hey? You're listening to the Port Chat Podcast. This is the most up-to-date news. And now we go to our correspondent, 
the official news check. Nick K. This is the Porch Chat News. Just a couple of news items this evening. Uh, well, it's evening where we are. Um, the Elfton game uh, has been rearranged now for Tuesday, the 21st of March. Uh, just to remind you that we've got walking football now on a Mondays uh, between 10 and 11 a.m. at June's. It's £2 per person per session. There's no age limit to that. Uh, it's just normal walking football rules. Uh, the veterans group uh, is for the over 50s. That meets every Wednesday, 11 till 12 at June's. That's £2 per person per session. Um, really worth getting in touch if you're over 50 and you're interested in a bit of a slower pace but still competitive uh, game of football. Um, I also just wanted to mention as well, uh, long-standing friends of the pod, Lord's Deli have opened their own uh, their new shop in Hesketh Drive, um, available on Southport Eats as well. And it is fantastic. Absolutely stunning food. So, I mean, that's been the one. We talk about things that, that like we really love about the, the Haygav experience and the food that Lord's Deli provide is is really up there top notch um so it'd be great to get as many um sand grounders in supporting steph and the girls at their shop on hesketh drive um one thing that's happening nationally um i don't know if southport are taking part in this but it doesn't the club doesn't necessarily need to sign up to it this could be something as fans this weekend is green football weekend if you've not heard of green football weekend you can check them out at greenfootballweekend.com I'll stick a link up on Port Chat. Um, what it is, it's a partnership between lots of different uh, groups, but predominantly uh, Pledge Ball and Planet League. And you can basically score green goals for your club by taking action um, uh, to help them win the Green Football Cup. So from eating a veggie meal to walking and cycling instead of driving, um, even if you turn down your heating by one degree at home, like every green goal matters and like counts. Um, and it's just to get people thinking more about an uh, environmental footprint and using football as the vehicle for that um the pledge is uh, that you try and score three green goals by making some small switches uh, there's loads of ideas on the website you can sign up and for every green goal you score it gets logged in a table and it shows you uh, which teams are uh, currently doing the best at that i mean it, currently it's man united at the top but i mean they've got a large fan base so that kind of makes sense um leicester leeds chelsea and port vale are at the top of the green football weekend leaderboard at the moment with their fans um if you do sign up you can win some prizes as well um i think they've got all sorts of things like signed england shirts premier league tickets um football manager game passes I think they've even got some holiday vouchers and stuff as well. It's it's worth having a look. Um, and again, I might put the link up there for the fans toolkit as well for you to have a look if that is something you are interested in. But it's a really good uh, partnership between um, Planet League, Pledge Ball and the Football Supporters Association as well. Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, on to Noel with the latest from all community teams. I've just got to say as well, Nick. I'm quite surprised that uh, Forest Green aren't riding high in the uh, in the Green Game uh, League table. But obviously, as we saw this weekend um, by um, the new Forest Green manager Duncan Ferguson uh, and his new side blowing a, a lead in the 92nd and 98th minute. Once Everton has touched you, you will never be the same again. So for the community. You don't really. You love me, really. Um, right, community teams, congratulations to our players of the week. Lots of games going on this week. Brilliant to see. 
uh, the weather allowing most, if not all, the teams to get out there and play. So well done to Cameron, to William, to Rory, to Ben, to Zach, Fraser, Nate, Mikey, Joseph, Zach, Jacob, David, Freddie, Kaysen, William, Teddy, and Henry. Um, a special mention to friend of the pub, Simon Bezik, the greatest cone collector in the West. Uh, his under-13s team um, got to the semi-finals of the Cup. Uh, a really strong performance. They lost out to, to strong favourites, Trinity, in a close game despite taking the lead twice. Uh, I think um, previously Trinity would have been you know, favourites to go and win that game comfortably. Um, the, the lads put in a fantastic effort. So well done to Simon and the under-13s. And, uh, you know, as Thierry Henry says, you either win or you learn. So uh, I'm sure they will make it an even closer game next time. A disappointing weekend for the women in so much as the game was postponed by the county FA. Uh, but that, So that will take place next Sunday. So uh, this Sunday coming, um, a two o'clock kickoff at the Holsall Memorial Ground. We will face Crosby Stewart in the Liverpool FA County Women's Challenge Cup. Uh, all support gratefully accepted. Uh, and welcomed, and the cafe's open as well. So always good there. The coffee is particularly good. So hopefully see plenty of you there this Sunday. Uh, On to the academy. Uh, they lost their last game 2-0 to Rochdale AFC EDS. Um, and um, yeah, and then the next game uh, for them is this Wednesday, uh, and that is a home game, a home game at JMO, 2 o'clock kickoff against the Pro Direct Academy Manchester Team 3. So if any of you are free, please get down and support the lads there. And that is your community news for another week. Thank you very much, Noel. So looking forward then to, as I mentioned before, our guaranteed wins in the next coming seven days. The first of which is Dan Bond's favourite away trip of the season, Darlington away. Dan, I believe we've met these before. Yeah, we have. Uh, they're an old club, formed 1883. Very similar way to ourselves. A number of representatives from several teams in the town met and decided to form one mm. super club. Um, we were obviously formed at Southport Central five years after them. Um, Darlington played in the Northeastern League from their formation up to the start of Football League Division 3 North, which is where we met them for the first time in 1922. And we've actually played them 109 times since. So we won 48 of those drew 21 and lost 40. So it's ever so slightly in our favour. Our first match was a 3-1 win in front of 4,900. And we even played them in the abandoned 1939-40 season. We've played them in a Football League Division 3 North, the Third Division North Cup, the FA Cup, Division 4, the National League, the FA Trophy and the National League North. So there's most competitions we've been in, we've met Darlington in. Taking those cups out of the equation, the two clubs will meet each other for the 99th time in league competition. When they came to Haygauf back in August, it was a 1-0 win for the Sandgrounders. An awful lot has changed since then, uh, but that goal came from Jack Bainbridge. We've had quite a lot of players play for both clubs over the years, but the most famous of all is Hall of Famer Alan Spence, who we signed from Darlington in July 1962, and he went on to be our record league goalscorer in 98, and he has been inducted into our Hall of Fame in 2019. Thank you very much. Mike, who's going to ruin our evening? Yep, so the man in the middle for this one is uh, Mr Gareth Thomas. Uh, he's been in charge of 10 National League North games so far this season, uh, dishing out a massive 38 yellow cards and two red cards. Uh, he's yet to referee a Port League game so far this season. However, he was uh, the man who sent off Michael Carberry and gave a Darlow penalty oh, after eight no. minutes in the Cup game. 
So questions really have to be asked about this appointment. He is once again... You can't, you can't say that. I can say that. <laughs> you can't. Questions have to be asked about his appointment. Sorry. <laughs> Leave him alone. He can say that if he wants. Actually, actually, I agree. I think it's a very good point because when you've got an official who has had the fixture previously and there's obviously been some controversy, then by posting the same officials at the same game, actually, for me... For all the people, it's not fair on. It's actually not fair on that official because it puts them under undue pressure. So I think Mike no, has a very good okay, point. Fair, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Sorry, Mike. Sorry to interrupt you. My apologies. Go on. No, it's all right. And I think, uh, yeah, the club preview put, puts it pretty well as well, saying Port were very unfortunate to go out the FA Cup at Blackwell Meadows when reduced 10 men very early when Michael Carberry saw red after the home player tripped over his own feet. The referee that day, Gareth Thomas, is back in charge on Tuesday. I love that the preview is just making clear when it all goes wrong, it's this is the guy who starts what it is. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's um uh, we'll do key info first. Bond, what's going on? What do we need to know? Um, you need to know probably don't bother, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from your mic rumor, and then you then you bother. Um no, Blackwell Medals uh, is the home of Darlington. It's on the outskirts of the town. It's about a mile and a half walk, a mile and a half from the town. It's about a 30-minute walk, I think, um, from the town centre. So there's nothing really near the ground. There's no pubs or anything like that near the ground. It's a bit in the middle of nowhere, unfortunately. Um, but it is easy to get to if it's just straight off the um, the A road to the ground. Um, I say I put the Google Maps link on how to get there onto, um, onto the forum, onto the match preview. Um, if you are getting there by train... Um, you might be all right getting there, but if you're staying over, you've got no hope of getting back the day after because uh, our Lord Mick has uh, put a train strike on us um, for Wednesday. Oh, Mick. All bow down to Mick. Um, I think everyone's on strike that day, fire engines. and So if you do burn your house down, then you're not you're going to die. Um, also, if you do want to get... You can't get the train home from after the match as well. You'll only get as far as Manchester. Um, and you'll only get there at half one in the morning and be stuck in Manchester, which is not a place that not anyone really wants to be, no matter what time of day it is. Um, there is parking at the ground as well. Uh, it's £5 uh, per car on a first-come, first-served basis. Uh, tickets for inside the ground, you can buy online. Uh, it's £15 for adults. Uh, concessions, which includes 18 to 24s, 65 and overs, registered disabled and students, which is £11, £5 to 12-17s, and under-12s are free with a paying adult. It's a £2 extra charge on any seat you would like with to sit down. If you want if you want to pay, get a ticket where you can sit down, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> if, any, if you want to buy a seat and you can pay for a seat, yeah, great. All the, all the precise info, they've really given me the best job and given the most clear understanding information possible where to drink clubhouse utilize it you can't take your beer out though so have one and then clear off uh, there's a food van in the ground but i wasn't trusting it last time i went there if i'm being honest and just sort of starved uh myself for the afternoon um yeah it's a it's an interesting ground obviously they had quite a lot of people that went there uh for the game their game on boxing day uh, i believe they had over three thousand attending there three two home loss to scara um but yeah, it's, it's not you know it's not one of the best away grounds in the league. I'm glad it's fallen on a Tuesday night, so I don't really have to go if I don't really want to. Um, but 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it, Mike, anyway. Did you actually just say, don't ring the fire brigade because you'll die? Is that what you actually said? <laughs> no, I thought you said, don't ring the fire brigade because you've already had it. Strike correspondent Dan Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I should be on Granada, <laughs> me, lad. Right, okay, predictions. We'll do them in the order. Oh, my sweet lord. We'll do them in the order that I've got you on my screen, which is Noel up first. Um, it's going to be a tough one, this, although they have just sold their top scorer, I think, haven't they? Um, so they may be trying to readjust in his absence. Uh, do you know what? What the hell? I'm going to go one all. I agree with Noel. One all. I'm going to go three nil south four. Four nil, darling. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Says the man who's actually going. The only one going has picked the most negative. Sorry, right. So let me phrase this. When I get off the train, 4 0 Darlow. Quit pinting the hole in the wall, 3 0 Darlow. A couple more pints and get to the ground. I'll be putting 125 to 1 bet on Southport to score five or more goals. Do, do um, us a favour, don't get don't get too levered. You're the only one going. We need you to say some sort of like watch it at least a bit. Remember to gamble responsibly at all times. Finally, Mr. Hayes. Uh I'm gonna go 2-0 defeat. 2-0 defeat. Uh I predict um it's one-on-ones, you can't smoke in again, so you know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a car crash. <laughs> right, and last but by no means least, uh, we all look forward to our visit of our friendly neighbours from Chorley, uh, where one of these weird pseudo-not-quite rivalries has appeared to pop up. It's uh, Dan Hayes' favourite you know, football thing where he loves these artificial rivalries, don't you, Dan? Dan, tell us all about the times that we've met them before. Do you know what? Out of all the clubs, this is probably a club that we probably should consider ourselves as a rival with because we've played them so many times. First team alone, we've played them over 70 times. And if you include the reserves as well, that's another 80 or so as well. But um, excluding the game in 2020, which we won 1-0, but it was a COVID one, we've played 72, we've won 34, drew 17, lost 21. On the road, obviously, we don't fare quite as well. Um, Well, that's pretty standard. Winning 7, drawing 12, losing 13. Uh, and obviously the details of all those games, plus all the reserve games, are on the former Players Association website, sfc1888.uk. They were formed 140 years ago this year after switching from Rugby Union, and they are nicknamed the Magpies. very first time we played them was 29th of September 1888 in our fifth ever game. Shortly after we were formed as Central, we won that one 6-0 at our first ground, which was the sports ground on Sussex Road. Uh, I'll put a little plug in for my own book. If you want to know more about that game and that first season, it is all covered in the book, The Town's Game, The Origins of Rugby and Association Football in Southport, which you can get from Amazon right now from as little as 4 99 for a Kindle or 9 99 for a paperback. <laughs> the last time we met them uh, was the first of seven home games that we had in November. We played it in front of 13.90, so a decent crowd, and we won 2-1 thanks to two goals from Jordan Archer. The last time we visited Victory Park, though, uh, was in March last year and the scoreline was reversed. Uh, Archer also got the goal on that occasion as well. 
we've had so many players play for both clubs that I would literally be here all night if I listed them. Now, obviously, there's some that we probably should mention. One of them has just been appointed the assistant manager of Wigan Athletic, and that's Graham Barrow. Uh, and then we've got others like Danny Lloyd, who's probably got to go, go down as one of our biggest misses ever, considering the football league career he went on to have. We've had Chris Sim, Chris Alman, Lee Trundle, another huge miss of ours, uh, Harvey Cunningham, and obviously Marcus Carver. But like I say, we could go on and on. Um, Martin Clark I still haven't managed to trace. So as I said last time we played Chorley, I appeal for anybody who knows where he is to let me know, former players at southportfootballclub.co.uk. And in their current squad, we know quite a few as well. So manager is obviously Andy Priest. They've got Steve Drench as their number two keeper and goalkeeper coach. Matt Challoner and Adam Blakeman, Jack Sampson and even Andy Owens, who's still on dual reg with them, although I'm not sure he's featuring much recently. And in our squad, we've got Adam Anson too. So we're expecting a, a, a decent crowd. Um, I'm sure Dan will give us all the key information, but if you are going, do us a favour, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that, Ashley. Leaving that in. Yeah, yep. fair play. Yep. Dan, what do we need to know? Well, Chorley's ground is called named Victory Park. And I've only just found out this out today, but that's actually because it's named in commemoration of winning the First World War in 1920 when the ground opened. It has a capacity of 4,300, which 975 of them are seated. Uh, the pitch is a non-artificial grass surface. Now, I believe the game is segregated, so it's not like the usual times have been to Chorley. It is segregated. That's, uh, I'm sure more info will come out this week. Um, about how exactly it's segregated and which way to go in and stuff like that. Um, you can buy a ticket online, but at the moment it's only showing tickets for the Telford game on the Tuesday, so I'm assuming you'll be able to buy tickets. Um, and there is also cash turnstiles there as well. Uh, how to get to Chorley? Well, walk. it's pretty simple. Walk. <laughs> you can walk Don't on Boxing walk. Day. <laughs> Don't walk. <laughs> Did that touch Jay, your nerve, did it? <laughs> Jay and I still have sort of like Nam flashbacks from that day. My word. Is it a long walk? Is it a long walk, Jay? It's a long walk with a lot of people who don't like me. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it, is a, fun. <laughs> it was a long walk and the last bit is very uphill. Yes. We made it on time though, didn't we, Noel? We were the we, you were the only ones who made it on time, yeah. and we were met by a glorious welcome by the people at Chorley. Not. Not it was a terrible not. game as well. We wouldn't we drew. I think we. I think it was we, nil nil, and they missed yeah. the penalty, which is yeah, um, I remember. Just caused an interstellar war because it's still it's currently going past Pluto. Mm. Um. Yeah. Forty-five minute drive to uh, Chorley if you are driving, or you can get the X two to Preston and down, or. Get the train from Wigan and across to the other Wigan and up. Pretty simple to get there. There's no train strikes planned for this date, um, as there is them on Wednesday and Friday. And prices inside the ground, there is cash turnstiles in operation. Um, adults are fifteen pound, over sixty five to twelve pound, seventeen to twenty seven pound, twelve to sixteen to five pound, and under twelves are free with full paying adult. As I mentioned before, you can buy it online and the link to buy a ticket we'll put in our match preview as well. So you have a direct link in there for you. Um, there is food inside the ground. The pies ooh, are quite good. Ooh, the, the pies chips, are fantastic. The chips are amazing. But the chips, chips good. Curry, I've never had the chips. Chips and curry sauce are phenomenal. Well, there we go. Recommendation. There's also a KFC down the road. Um, where to drink in Chorley? There's plenty of boozers. 
plenty, plenty, plenty of boozers. Now, the boozer we went to last year, unfortunately, has closed down. Probably good riddance, though, because I don't want to be clearing off any more glass. Um, now, I don't know if you can be able to get a pint inside the ground. You could in the away cabin when I went earlier in the season. Uh, well, actually, early this year, the first day of this year, when I went to file Chorley for some unknown reason. Um, but yeah, I could get a pint there, but I don't know if it's segregated. They might stop doing that. Um, and I would maybe be a bit cautious drinking around in Chorley just with the previous sort of trouble and stuff like that. Um, I know we're drinking in another place. I'm not going to say where, because I've got a load of Chorley people come and find me and probably want my head. Um, but that's just normal normal sort of behaviour. Um, as Dan mentioned before, don't be a dick. Just please don't be a dick. Don't try and like wind up some growing men, especially if they start wearing like baby blue stone aisle and they think they're absolutely stone hard. And, and the badge in. Get the badge in and then get forced onto, you know, try and start on an old bloke and get forced onto some director's car when they're handcuffed. Don't be him. And don't and don't club someone on the back of the head as well. Well, that um, escalated quickly. Very pertinent advice. Thanks for that, Dan. Every week, everybody, we produce before the podcast uh, a soft script, and it's consulting this soft script. You know, so just really, so we know what we're going to talk about. We know some talking points, some editorial notes, and this and that. So it's based on this soft script that I can tell you that Bond has absolutely bottled the key info, and I'll tell you for why. Because earlier today, when I was reviewing it, I saw the amazing line, please don't drink and drive. <laughs> because, because, we, because we know that everyone who listens right, was going to have 12 Sambucas before they got in their Skoda and drove up to Chorley. But Dan, but Dan, because he's a man of the people and he cares, right, wanted to warn you that that wasn't the best idea. Dan, so safety I, first bond. So Health put, and safety. I put this in our in our little WhatsApp group. I said, I am loving the fact that you've put please don't drink and drive. And he said, in case we get sued, was the actual response. And he's not mentioned it. He's not put it in the key info. And I'm upset so, yeah. about it, to be honest. Sorry. I think every time we do one, though, I will say that now. And if I, if I, I have to... All right. I'll make a pledge. Oh, yeah. Go on. If I don't say it, yeah. every time I don't say it, doing key info, I have to go with a five or something. Charity, whatever. I'll do it with the community teams. Tory party. No, then it's, then it looks, oh, no. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I was slightly concerned there, Dan, because I, I, I misheard. I thought, I, I heard you say, I'm going to make a pledge. I thought for a moment you're going to make the pledge. <laughs> let's tie this all up with some predictions so let's tie it all up with some predictions then again same order Noel what do you think um, I think this is not going to be a classic but they are one of the better sides in the division and we tend to play better against the better sides in the division um, do you know what? I'm going to be depressingly consistent and go for one all I will predict a 2-1 victory to the port I'm going to go 1-0 and we're going to scrape it in the 96th minute. Uh, I think, yeah, tight and feisty game this one. 1-1, uh, though. I'm going to agree with Mike and go 1-1. One, one. Uh, I predict it will be a lovely sunny afternoon. Everyone will be very friendly. There'll be absolutely no aggro and everyone will have a lovely time. 
watching football be the winner. That's pretty much it for this uh, this episode. So thank you so much, as always, for your support. We really do appreciate it. And say we we we'd love to hear you know any feedback that you've got on the podcast. Uh, say so the, the the numbers that we've getting have just absolutely surprised us all. So we're really really grateful for the support. And I will end with the usual traditional closing prayer. Give us a D. Yeah.